to the Big Finish sales event going on now at Bettenhausen Jeep on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Bettenhausen has hundreds of new Jeeps to choose from, including the all-new 2022 Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. Your best Jeep buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. 100.3 HD2. And the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. It is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle, coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Brian, uh, I was out of the country the last week. Anything happening regarding the Blackhawks? <laughs> can, can you we catch missed, me up? We missed you uh, greatly, but it was great to have Jeff Meller sitting in. But it's great to have you back. And when I think of the Blackhawks, I think two words, Coach Killers. Yes, yes. They uh, they ended Tippett's run in uh, in Edmonton on uh, Wednesday. And that was a hell of a of a of a game there for the yeah, Blackhawks. Really, I mean, a little bit of a head scratcher in the second period, period well, which has been their Achilles' heel in recent weeks. But uh, it picked up right where he left off from the All Star game. Yeah, I, it it was interesting. Derek King going into the break talking about maybe not being so happy go lucky, being tougher on the guys and. Maybe a little sloppy practice on Tuesday, and then they come out, and it's nice to grab a two-goal lead in the first few minutes. And Mark Andre Fleury is doing nothing to diminish his trade value. And you're right that that second period, we won't really have to talk about it. But they regrouped and got it done. And certainly, that's a struggling Oilers team, but an Oilers team with still a lot of uh, a lot of talent on it. It's a, a big few weeks here for this franchise. Obviously, on the heels of, of the town hall. A couple of Wednesdays ago, we heard from Danny Wirtz this past week. He spoke to uh, David Kaplan for the Blackhawks pregame show on Wednesday. We'll uh, we'll get into that. Mark Lazarus from The Athletic will join us. We'll update you on the GM search. And uh, some interesting names that we're, we're seeing uh, bantered about by the Blackhawks as far as uh, who will take over as the general manager and, and who will be the, the lead hockey voice. Uh, your calls at three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's start with uh, Danny Wirtz speaking to uh, Kaplan on uh, Wednesday. Uh, what was your your biggest takeaway from what Danny had to say? It wasn't that difficult to answer that question. And if you let Danny talk, you feel better about. It. If you're a fan, you feel like you know he's got the grip on things, and and Jamie Faulkner as well. Uh, the thing was going smoothly, smoothly until Rocky had his moment, uh, what Gary Bettman called. Uh, he had a moment. He had an emotional moment. You know, if coaches have emotional moments like that after games, they get fined usually. But it was, you know, it was, it, we'll hear Danny Wirtz's answers. And he tried. He tried to jump in and save his dad, but Rocky was having none of it. So the more I hear from Danny, the more I think, you know, the, the, the blue uh, blue ribbon panel they put together was not only, you know, I think very good hockey IQ wise, but it was certainly good PR wise. So if you just let the people in the building do their jobs, Rocky, you know, things will go better for you. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the commissioner said it was, you know, an emotional outburst. But here's the thing. It, it should not have been. We, they knew this question w- was coming. They knew a uh, discussion about culture change was going to be presented to them in the forum that they had set up. And uh, and that was one of the first questions that uh, David Kaplan asked Danny Wirtz. You guys knew this question was coming at the town hall. So, Danny, the question that Mark Lazarus attempted to ask you, you and your team are smart people. You had to know that question was coming. It was an obvious question because it was the first time you guys were going to meet the media at the town hall. In the moment, what's going through your mind uh, as you watched that whole thing unfold? Well, absolutely. We, we, we prepared. We, we knew a question on 2010 was coming, and, and rightfully so. And I was actually excited to, to answer that question. And uh, the answer to that question has so many things that we've been working on that I was proud to share. So, um, you know, we, we were prepared and ready to go, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, went off track there. So have you, since that moment, sat down just you, and your dad, Rocky. Yeah, absolutely. Rocky and I spoke, and uh, he reiterated everything he shared that night and the day afterwards, and regretting the outburst, and I think mostly regretting the overshadowing of, of the work we are doing. And uh, But I know that our leadership team is committed to doing the right things, uh, to rebuilding this culture here at the Blackhawks, and I know that Rocky is 100% in our corner in support of that. So how would you answer that question? Yeah, so I think starts with people and culture, right? Um, we have a very new leadership team here than 2010, and thus we're, we're a new organization in many ways. Um, I think we've been able to put the right people in place with the right values that drive a culture through the system. Uh, that comes to life every day in how we show up to work, the kind of uh, environment we create for our employees and for our players, and ultimately making sure that we have a safe, secure, and healthy place for our employees and players to work. And uh, and that, that shows up in our culture, and I believe that that culture is on track. And, of course, in addition to culture, you also have to have the, the types of things that, that, that bring that culture to life. So things like our mental health and mental wellness department that's been started that helps both players and employees. Uh, we started an employee-led culture committee that really tackles all things related to culture. So that's communication, that's learning and development, that's communication. That's what are things we need to be talking about as an organization. So that's employee-led, and so that creates a lot of energy when employees feel safe to be able to share ideas on how to make the company better. And, uh, and last but certainly not least, you have to have your procedures and your policies in place. And so we've been able to really uh, tighten and recommit to those uh, reporting procedures so that if there's anything that goes wrong, we have zero tolerance and we respond quickly and effectively um, for when, when things happen. So um, and in addition, of course, we have uh, the Respect Hockey program that's coming from the National Hockey League that, of course, we're partnering with. So there's some good things happening. Uh, it's work that doesn't have a finish line, though. You know, this is not we just did a couple things and then we call it a day. It is work we have to work on every day. We have to keep rebuilding the trust with our employees and rebuilding the trust uh, with our fans and partners. So that was Danny Wirtz on Wednesday before the Blackhawks uh, reopened their uh, post-All-Star schedule in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. The things that they have done behind the scenes, they have put into place. They've They've already acted upon uh, some of these uh, measures. Uh, there was a, a um, accusation made uh, shortly after the Jenner Block investigation uh, finished up, and uh, they took care of that after an internal investigation uh, for about five days, and, and they separated from uh, that individual. So, well, you know, we'll see where this goes, but uh, 
I, I think, as you said here off the top, things were in place from both Danny, uh, Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner's perspective that they've done some of these things already to change the culture. And a couple Wednesdays ago, they wanted to share that with the public and the fan base and anybody who wanted to listen. And unfortunately, it, it got sideways there in a hurry. So then Cap got around to the hockey part of, of things with uh, Danny Wirtz. And as you mentioned, top of the show, the uh, GM search ongoing, and they still believe they'll get a, a, a GM hired by March 21 trade deadline, and hopefully a little bit before that so that said GM can dive in. If it's Kyle Davidson, God bless him. Um, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of decisions or certainly some some deals will be made, I would think. But um, interesting names on this list, very interesting names. And uh, I, I don't looking at the resumes of different guys. I mean, they're very they're varied. Uh, Eric Tulsky. Did oh. you see the academic? Did, did I see that resume? Oh my! I mean, chemistry, chemistry and physics degrees from Harvard, a PhD from the University Berkeley. of California, Berkeley. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's going to win any resume uh, competition if you just if you go strictly by uh, by shingles on the wall. I mean, th- this yeah, guy's you know, impressive. I, I know you know a bunch of people who started out maybe as engineers and decided, yeah, maybe this is a little more difficult than I thought, and end up in liberal arts or whatever. But, I mean, to go get the advanced degree from Berkeley and then say, you know what, I really like hockey. And, and you know, so far doing a, a pretty good job as part of the Carolina front office. So it, we'll talk about a bunch of the uh, different guys in, uh, here. But that one jumped out at me. I was like, wow. I, I'd, be, I, I'd be intimidated to ask questions about a guy who's much smarter than I am. Yeah, we'll dive into those, uh, those six candidates that the Hawks have made public, which I appreciate that kind of taking a page from sure. uh, the NFL where they're, they're telling you who they've spoken to and, and when they conducted the interview. Um, but getting this person in place before the March 21st trade deadline. I think we all agree with where the Hawks stand right now. 41 points, 14 points out of the second wild card, six teams to leap. Uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly not insurmountable, but it, it's highly unlikely that they're going to get back into the playoff discussion. So they are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. To what degree? And, and, and what can they do to recoup the first-round pick that they lost uh, in the Seth Jones trade. And, uh, you know, does that person need to be on on the clock three weeks before the trade deadline so he can uh, navigate through the waters and, and know exactly what's available, what the market bears for a Marc-Andre Fleury, have the conversation with Fleury, what 10 teams, you know, does he want to go to if indeed he wants to leave Chicago? All these things that need to take place, um, it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to lock down that candidate and bring them on board so that that person is a part of this process. Or do they just let Kyle Davidson do what he's been doing thus far, give him total autonomy to make moves as he sees fit and not have the the timetable of bringing that person in. How do you think that's going to play out here over the next uh, handful of weeks? Well, you know, like the NFL in in particular, like the Chicago Bears, they were, uh, they got to to a number where people are like, okay, this, you know, at what point it's too many, are there too many interviews, right? And, 
even George McCaskey talked about going through three interviews a day and it was getting kind of uh, draining on them. But I don't know what the number or if the Hawks have a number in mind. Uh, they're up to, what, six now. Um, but it, it does it does it become unwieldy or do they just, you know, have do they have their list of candidates and now it's just scheduling whatever interviews they have remaining and, and getting to it so they can prepare for that trade deadline? I don't know. Um, we do have a Twitter poll question today because Cap asked about uh, one of the candidates who has no hockey background. And, you know, it's not it's not unusual or it's still probably unique, maybe I should say, where you would hire somebody outside your sport to come in and be the head of your hockey operations. Right. And the Twitter poll question is, as a as a fan, how important is hockey experience for you? Is it very important? Is it somewhat important or is it not important? And you can check out at uh, the Hockey Show uh, Twitter page at me, uh, my page at Brian Hanley five three four. So you know, love to hear from you. What are you looking for in a GM? We'll run down those uh, those six candidates because as you uh, as you mentioned, uh, wide array of backgrounds. Some lifers, some some candidates that don't have any hockey experience at all. So we'll get into that on the other side. Your calls as well. Uh, your thoughts on the GM search, what Danny Wirtz had to say this week, and what the Hawks did in Edmonton against the Oilers on Wednesday before they take on uh, the wild card leading St. Louis Blues on this night. It's all coming up on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Fed it below the goal line, gets the return feed, the break, it fires, he scores! Right away, picks up where he left off. The All-Star with his 27th of the season, his 11th power play goal of the year, and the Hawks are off in flying colors. Back to Seth Jones, looking to break it, firing, oh, he scores! Strom was on the doorstep. Those two go back to their days with the Erie Otters. May have just hooked up for a power play goal. Another huge night for Alex Dabrinkit, a goal and two helpers as the Hawks took care of the Oilers 4-1. They're back in action tonight. That was Jason Ross Jr. on NBC Sports Chicago. He'll be behind the mic with Eddie Olchek on this evening, and uh, we'll have the pregame for you at 6.30. I've got some uh, Chicago Wolves tickets to give away. Hockey night in Chicago is tonight at Allstate, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Let's get into... The GM candidates and uh, the one in house is is Kyle Davidson. Brian, uh, he's worked his way up s- from 2010 as an intern. He's held several different hats, and now he is he is running the show as the interim general manager. And the question I have t- to you is: with what went on a little over a week ago, and uh, with this team going outside, trying to change what is going on inside, bringing in Jamie Faulkner and all the different things that they have done behind the scenes to uh, to ramp up analytics, to improve the fan experience. And now they're trying to improve the product on the ice. Uh, do you think that they almost have to go out of house as the new 
lead voice on the hockey ops side of things? You know, I, I hope that there aren't any predetermined qualifications or, or directions on this. It wouldn't be fair to Kyle Davidson, who took over a very difficult situation and made a you know, very quick decision that Jeremy Colleton and some of the staff had to go. And, you know, right, rightfully so. I, I, and then, I'm, you know, I hear from people that, well, he was, he's the leader in the clubhouse. Well, he's in the clubhouse. So um, I hope he gets a fair shake. I think the culture changes that Danny Wirtz so eloquently um, went through with Cap are, are in place and the work is being done. Not just go get the best damn hockey person you can find. And who's going to, I mean, has to do a lot of heavy lifting and it's not going to be a short rebuild. It's going to be take uh, a few years, I think, at the minimum to get this thing going. And, you know, here's interesting that no forwards are signed after next season, right? right. So uh, it, as much as the familiar faces are, are still around and, and, you know, unfortunately, Jonathan Taves has got the concussion and all. It's the rebuild is to be determined. So whether you have to, I hope Kyle Davidson gets a fair shake. But that said, if, if someone else from the outside comes in and completely wows you, I just hope you get the, the best candidate possible. And again, I don't know how long that list is going to be. Maybe Mark Lazarus can shed some light on that. And I know initially he said that the Rocky Alpers probably cost the uh, Hawks some GM candidates who took a look at that and said, well, if that's the gentleman I'm going to work for, maybe I'm not going to have the auto- autonomy and the free thinking I need. So we'll, we'll talk to Mark about that. But, um, you know, do you go get Jeff Greenberg from the Chicago Cubs? That's the outside-the-box candidate, right? The no-hockey yeah. experience candidate. Yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, and if you look at Jeff Greenberg's uh, resume, it, it has a, a Kyle Davidson feel yep, to it, but, sure. but in baseball. And, yep. uh, you know, Look, in Theo, I trust. I, I, I love what Theo and Jed did on the north side. Obviously, they're in a, a, a rebuilding situation with Jed right now. Uh, and the only connection that Jeff Greenberg has to hockey was his dad was a, an attorney who helped Mario Lemieux uh, purchase part of the Penguins' ownership back in 1999. So that's like his, his little uh, link to the National Hockey League. I would be, uh, again, and this is just talking uh, off the cuff, not having been a part of these the interview process or, or thoroughly vetted, uh, given information about each candidate. I would be surprised if in the current situation that they have set up where they want you know one singular voice uh, to lead the hockey upside, that that person doesn't have any experience in hockey. That that would seem a little too outside of the box thinking uh, for my for my liking, but uh, you know we see we see the analytics guys. You talked about Eric Tulski already. I like his background with Carolina. I like what uh, the Hurricanes have done. He's been uh, with Carolina for for eight seasons. Again, the question is, you know, how strong is his hockey background? Scott Mellenby uh, loved him as a player. Um, a lot to like there on the resume too, though. Yes. He's a guy who's willing to start toward the bottom uh, as and you know have pretty much cover all aspects of hockey, right? From be behind the bench, certainly is a, a great player, and you know took his time to to help consult it in, at the GM in Vancouver. I mean, he's worked his way up. Um, if you like hockey experience, he has a myriad of it. And if you're of the 
the belief that the team reflects the person that they have in charge. In other words, the the, the 2010, 13, and 15 team uh, had the personality of Joel Quenville. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Scott Mellenby, you could do a lot worse than, than Scott Mellenby. I like the fact that, you know, he was an accomplished player, but the, he did have some grit to his game as well. And, uh, I, you know, I like some of his experience behind the bench in St. Louis as an assistant coach. And, and I do believe that that Blues team has taken on the personality of Craig Berube, who was awarded this past week with a contract extension. Been with Montreal the last several years. Uh, the name that that I I understand why he got an interview. I, I just he, he it it makes me a little leery. Is Peter Shirelli? You, you just oh. look at the deals that he's made over the years. You know, sending a future MVP Taylor Hall to the Devils for uh, you know a defenseman, a second pair defenseman, and Adam Larson, and you can go on and on. I mean. The extension to, to Miko Koskinen was a bad deal. Sending a first and a second round pick for for uh, Griffin Reinhardt, uh, you know, a, a journeyman defenseman uh, who, who didn't last long. Uh, there, you can go on and on, and and you could argue he derailed two great franchises in Boston and Edmonton. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, every GM who's been in it for long enough we'll have one or two that they'd love to have back when you you go down the laundry list of good old pete here it's uh you know hockey experience shouldn't be the only thing you're looking at with him you'd be like okay you have experience do you have good experience right because the the negatives were certainly uh the 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 pros and cons you got a long list of cons now the other thing and having just gone through this with the the bears situation and there, there are some similarities i think when you look at, at the two franchises and you look at, you know, the families that have been in charge of, of both and the processes they're going through to uh, to bring in, in this case, uh, a new football voice and a new head coach and likely the same situation with the Blackhawks is do they are there caveats? In other words, are they going to say. You know, Kyle Davidson was such a great soldier, handled this well, helped in the transition to the new person that we we pick. Uh, we would like you to keep Kyle on board. Mm-hmm. Like the, I, you said it earlier, you don't want any preconceived, uh, you know, deals or things uh, t- to be put in place here as they as they make these decisions. You want you know, open mind and and able to go wherever they want. I wonder if the Davidson brings an interesting caveat to to the equation of of maybe helping said person get up to speed, especially right before the trade deadline. And then you're saying to him, you know, we'd also like you to keep him on board as your assistant general manager. Right. And Kyle's what? The youngest uh, GM in the league right currently, right? Right. So, 32, 33, something like that. But I'm sure he'd love to run the show and have the interim title, the interim part of the title uh, go away. It, it, you'd have to have that conversation with him first if you're Danny Wirtz to say, you know, do you want to stick around if we don't elevate you or, or make that permanent to this point? Um, that's a very difficult thing to do, uh, but he's a young enough man that he might feel comfortable with the organization he's been with since 2010. 
Um, but I, when you when you tell the candidate coming in, and if you're going to go a different direction than Kyle Davidson, I do get uncomfortable when you say the job's yours, but here's the here's the guy who's sticking around, so make it work. Uh, if they can sit together and have a meeting in the minds, but you let the the new GM know that it's totally his call with Kyle. Um, then maybe that works out. But I don't like the, you know, kind of force feeding somebody the first day on the job because Kyle has been a good soldier, no doubt about that. Uh, I want to get back to a question that Cap asked Danny Wirtz. And I think this is a question that a lot of Blackhawks fans have wrestled with in the last several months. And, you know, they, they were riding high with the three cups in the six seasons. And certainly they've seeing this team fall on some lean times on the ice and, of course, some horrible things off the ice. So the question was posed to Danny, why should this fan still have their allegiance to the Chicago Blackhawks? So as I thought about this, what would you say to a Blackhawks fan who's looking at you? You're the CEO. Mm -hmm. Your last name is Wirtz. And he says, or she says, after the events of 2010 and the issues that came to light over the past year, combined with the team's not playing well, why should I continue my fandom of your franchise? Well, as I just said, I think I, I would reiterate that we are a different organization, that we are the kind of organization that I'm proud of. I think it's an organization that our people are proud to work for and, uh, and continuing to earn that trust that fans can believe in. And I think that's done not just for what I say here and what we say, um, but what we actually do. And uh, that work has started and continues to work. And hopefully our fans will see it demonstrated in the work we do in the community, how we show up as an organization, and frankly, how we listen to our fans. I think this is a time where we have to continue to listen and understand what is important to our fans right now and delivering on that value that they expect from us. Brian, this this franchise is at a crossroads right now. This is a real critical time for for this team and this franchise moving forward. Absolutely, it is. Uh, and, and, and you know, we can't lose fact uh, that on the ice, it, it's about as dismal as it's been in, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years. And it's great to see uh, Debrinket, and uh, it's great to see uh, Brandon Hagel back and, and doing what he's done. And that line looks pretty good. We need to get Kirby Doc. It was great that he scored a goal and, and broke that nine-game uh, score, uh, scoreless streak. But you need to really kind of identify the foundation here beyond Alex Dabrinkit, and it's not a not a large number. It's not a you know it's it's a handful of guys to this point, and so that's whoever the new GM comes in has a lot of heavy lifting to do. We'll get the Athletics' Mark Lazarus take on uh, the Danny Wirtz interview on the fallout from his question at the town hall. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we'll get his thoughts on the GM search as well. I've got uh, a four-pack of tickets to tonight's Chicago Wolves game, Hockey Night in Chicago, as they take on their rival, Rockford. Uh, the 10th caller at 312-332-3776. You're going to win a four-pack tonight as the Wolves host Rockford at 7 o'clock, Star Wars Night at Allstate Arena. And the uh, the Wolves have owned first place in the AHL Central Division since Thanksgiving weekend. So is that even possible? It is, yes. Wow. 78th day in a row that the Wolves have woken wow. up in first place. They're in first place, taking on their arch rival, Rockford, a rivalry that goes back to uh, 2007 when Corey Crawford was in goal for the Ice Hogs. So 
The 10th caller, 312-332-3776. You're going to tonight's Chicago Wolves game at Allstate. Coming up next on The Hockey Show, it's Mark Lazarus from The Athletic. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Rolling on to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago, just off of State Street, across from the Chicago Theater. Joining us now from The Athletic, he is in the the land of jean shorts. Not exactly jean short weather, though, in St. Louis on this morning. Uh, Mark Lazarus joins us now. Uh, Good morning, Mark. How are you doing? It is eight degree wind chill, and I'm walking to the ring, so I am freezing my you know what off. So I don't need jean shorts right now. <laughs> no, uh, hold on to your jorts for later. Um, what was your takeaway from from Danny Wirtz's response to your initial town hall question? You mean the one on NBC Sports? Chicago? Yes, yes, that one. Uh, it was a start. I mean, we're going to need specifics. I mean, right now we're still kind of dealing in the generalities of the situation, but we need real specifics of how these you know protocols and procedures are going to work. I mean. I think Danny and, and Jamie Faulkner would be the first to admit that there's a there's a credibility gap right now that they have to make up. That's not not even their own fault, and I think it's going to be it's going to require the team to be even more open and transparent than usual to really discuss the specifics of how they're making things better. It can't just be we're trying to improve hockey culture, we're making things better, we're keeping our employees safe. We need specifics. They have a lot of ground to make up, and that's a good way to start. And Mark, I know initially after the town hall, you said you believe or you've heard that certain GM candidates who would have been interested in interviewing for the Hawks job decided not after that town hall, I I can do, I can wait and see what else is out there. Um, There's only 32 of these jobs out there. How much uh, has that impacted negatively uh, on their casting uh, a net for candidates? Well, it's easy to say that in the heat of the moment. And then if the Blackhawks come calling four days later, you might've calmed down and changed your mind. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, and some of the people I talked to, I don't know if they were even on the Blackhawks list. They were people that wanted the job. That doesn't mean the Blackhawks necessarily wanted them for the job. So, you know, it kind of remains to be seen. Right now, the Hawks have, have interviewed six candidates. Um, I, I would expect more, but maybe they've already narrowed it down to this field. And they are, you know, bringing it to their advisory committee now and hashing it out. I don't know exactly how their process is going. But um, there are a lot of people out there that want to work for the Blackhawks still. And there's a lot of people out there that are like, you know what? I'm not sure that's the boss I want. So, you know, it, it's just part of the ground that they need to make up after Rocky Works's, you know, fiasco. Mark Lazarus joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. If you look at the six candidates, there's several with uh, strong analytics backgrounds. There's a there's a couple that have experience in Scott Mellenby and, and Peter Shirelli, albeit uh, somewhat of a, a checkered background uh, when it comes <laughs> to trades and, and extensions and whatnot. Uh, you've got the outside the box, Jeff Greenberg from the Cubs, uh, Matthew Darch from uh, Tampa Bay. Anybody stick out to you as you kind of navigate the uh, through the, the the different resumes and and backgrounds of each uh, individual and knowing where this franchise is at? I, I kind of as I took a step back from the town hall, 
while a lot of people think Kyle Davidson is the leader in the clubhouse, I almost felt like after what happened at the town hall that it almost, to me, signaled uh, uh, an outside of the current Blackhawks uh, scope needed to be brought on board. Someone who's not currently in-house to be uh, the new general manager. Uh, Taking nothing away from what Kyle has done, or I just thought optics-wise, it it almost seems to me like they they have to go out of house for this hire. Yeah, you know, I've heard that a little bit more since Rocky went off. And, uh, you know, I still think Kyle Davidson is a leader. I still think it's his job to lose. They really like him. Um, I don't know if, if Rocky Wirtz going off the rails there means they need to bring in a more veteran GM or a, an outside GM. I mean, Kyle Davidson has nothing to do with Rocky Wirtz, right? I think everybody knows that. Kyle Davidson was like 22 years old in 2010. I mean, none of this can be laid at his feet. But that being said, a guy like Matthew Darsh kind of checks all the boxes, right, where he doesn't have the baggage, but he does have front office experience at a successful team in Tampa. Um, he has an analytics background. He's a smart, forward-thinking guy. He seems like kind of the... The safe choice, I would say, out of all of these guys. You know, Eric Tolsky is an exciting choice. People around hockey just, they love him. They think so highly of him, but he's never really been in that position. You know, is he ready to take that big jump? Do you want an inexperienced GM um, to, to, to kind of take over this mess? But at the same time, he's been in Carolina's front office for seven or eight years now. So, I mean, that's, that's experience too, right? Um, Melanby, I, I don't see a lot there. I don't see what he necessarily has to offer that the other guys don't. Um, Chiarelli, I mean, good God. I mean, if they hire Peter Chiarelli, just hold the franchise. I don't know. Nothing against the guy, but his track record speaks for itself. And the, the NHL is such a retread league, and the Blackhawks want to be this forward-thinking, new kind of operation. If they hire a twice-failed GM, I don't know what we're doing here. So, and Mark, I don't know. It's, it's, an interest, it's an interesting group. And the Jeff Greenberg thing, I mean, it's a cool idea, but it's not going to happen. I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it, it, would be, it would be insane, frankly, to bring in a non-hockey person given the hockey state of this franchise. Well, Pat posed an interesting question to me about Kyle Davidson. If he's passed over and, and they determined to go into a different direction for the GM, could you tell the new GM we really like Kyle Davidson and there's a lot to like about him? Could uh, you, can't, you can't tell the new GM day one you have to keep this guy, and I'm not even sure how comfortable Kyle would be if he was passed over, but... Could you just ask the GM to, to talk to Kyle and see if there's a meeting in the minds if they can work together? Because I don't like jobs where it comes with, you know, you have to do this and this guy has to stay. And other than that, you're on your own. I, I do think the Blackhawks will uh, wink, wink, strongly suggest whoever it is, if it's not Kyle, that they're going to keep Kyle on as like an assistant GM or some kind of senior role. Um, I don't think that's that unusual in pro sports, but I, I understand where you're coming from. It is kind of like, Hey, you're giving me the keys and total autonomy, but I can't hire my own assistant GMs. I get that, right? Uh, and maybe that does scare some people off. But it, it's Kyle's in a tough position, right? Because he's he's been doing this job for a few months. He's well thought of, but he's also not going to get a GM job in the off season if another one opens up, right? He's not going to be at anyone else's the top of anyone else's list because he doesn't have any experience. He's 32 years old, 33 years old. So the Blackhawks job is the one that he can have. And if he doesn't get it, I don't think he can just storm off and go take over some other team. I don't think he's in that kind of position yet league wide. So it's kind of an awkward spot for him to be. And I think he, I think he, I think the Blackhawks want him to be a part of the future, regardless of whether he's in the big chair and it's going to be up to him and the new guy. If, if he's okay, taking a lesser role. All right. So how does Kyle navigate the next five to six weeks before the March 21st, a uh, trade deadline? He's up for a job. He's got 
quote-unquote total autonomy of the hockey ops side of things right now. They're not going to make the playoffs. You would think they were going to be uh, big-time sellers at, at the trade deadline, and they've got some chips to play with, namely Marc-Andre Fleury. So how do, you, how do you think Kyle is able to navigate those waters when you know he doesn't exactly have the job, but things need to be done to take advantage of where the Hawks are at? Because think about, I mean, if they don't have Marc-Andre Fleury in net, I mean, they're 14 points out of the second wild card spot. Where yeah. how many? They'd be 20 points plus, mm. right? Yeah, and 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 even further, it's going to be difficult to trade Mark Andre Fleury because he has basically they they promised him full control over his fate when they signed. They said we're not going right. to trade you against your will. He only only has a partial no trade clause. He really has a full no trade clause because of that promise. And you know, Frank Saravalli reported that you know, Washington was going all in on him and couldn't make it work. There's not a lot of teams out there that need goaltending and have a first-round pick. Colorado doesn't have a first-round pick. Right. I don't think Fleury's going to Edmonton. So there's not a lot of options out there if you can't make Washington work. Because most teams that are good have a goalie, right? Nobody's going to mortgage the farm for a goalie if they're already contenders because that means they already have a goalie. So it's a really tough position for Kyle to be in. But, you know, Danny Wirtz said they're going to hire someone before the trade deadline. Does that mean March 20th or does that mean tomorrow? If it's tomorrow, then it doesn't matter. If it's going to be a week before the trade deadline, then essentially Kyle Davidson is running the trade deadline because these trades tend to happen in the days leading up to the, the, the trade deadline. So, yeah, I mean, in the meantime, Kyle Davidson has to operate like he is a full GM right now. He has no choice. The Blackhawks need him to do that. But it is a really strange position for him to be in. He can't even talk to the media right now because he's an interview candidate for this job. <laughs> it's a really strange dynamic that they're working with right now in a very pivotal time in the franchise's you know, trajectory here. Do you get the sense that Mark Andre Fleury would just uh, even as dismal as as it is a lot of nights on the ice, even though he's been great, would stick around and just you know reassess what he wants to do with his career after the uh, one year contract expires? I could absolutely see him doing that. I don't have any inside information on that, but just getting to know him over the course of the year, knowing how important it is to be around his family, to not want to uproot his family or abandon his family for a couple of months. I mean, I, he's so competitive that I could see him saying, "Yeah, I want to go chase another cup." But he's also got three cups already, so he doesn't need that the way a lot of 37-year-old free agents might. Uh, I could easily see him say, you know what, I'm kind of happy here. My family's happy here. I like the teammates here. We're not winning, but, you know, that, that, that's life, and I've, I've already won everything I could win. I could see him just saying, you know, I don't want to go anywhere. It's entirely possible. So if you're uh, advising Kyle as far as who is available on the Blackhawks roster, we've had the debate over the last several weeks, uh, it's anybody and everybody not named Kane, Taves, and uh, Seth Jones. I'm of the camp of that I'm holding on to Alex Debrinkit no matter what. Where where are you as far as uh, the names that are going to be available uh, on this Blackhawks roster? Yeah, I mean, trading Debrinkit to me would be, I mean, he's 24 and he's just getting better and better every year. That would be madness. I, don't, I know people say that he's not like your number one star on the team because he's uh, he's a shooter. He's not so much of a playmaker. I don't buy any of that. The guy's a phenomenal all-around hockey player who's just getting better. You don't trade him. But, yeah, I mean, you have to look into You know, I've been down the road on Dylan Strong a thousand times. You have to at least look into it, right? He's playing really well now. Maybe someone's willing to take a chance on him and give you a first or second round pick. You, Calvin DeHaan is exactly the kind of piece that gets traded at the deadline, right? right. A really solid, reliable, veteran defenseman on an expiring contract. You're probably not going to get much more than like a third rounder for him. But he's been playing great this year, so you got to at least entertain the idea of moving him. Um, and as for everybody else, I mean, Dominic Kubalik, he's having a down year right now. Like, it, 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 you sell low on Kubalik, doesn't matter because he's going to be an RFA this season anyway. 
Like, they, they have to evaluate all these guys individually. Because other than, like you said, Kane, Taves, Seth Jones, and probably Kirby Doc, and, and, and theoretically to brink it, I mean, nobody's untouchable on this roster. There are guys, there are guys that I would say I would want to keep and try to build around, but in the big picture, there's very few untouchable players on this team. And, and speaking of Doc, you've been around him for a couple of years now. Where do you think he's at? I mean, you know, he's, he's off social media. He's talked about tuning out all the noise. He's had the injury. He's the, his own toughest critic. Does he just have to flush the season and, and start anew come next September or so? I think so, yeah. I mean, this is obviously not going the way he wanted or the way the Blackhawks wanted. I think last year really set him back. I mean, you think back to the bubble at Edmonton and how he came in like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be awesome. And he played really well. He took training camp. He, had, he, was, he was just playing at incredible speed. And then in Edmonton, he played really well. And then when he broke his wrist at the World Juniors two years ago, it just said he lost an entire year of development. He's only, he just turned 21 years old, like just did. And people that want to write him off right now, it's silly. Maybe he's not going to be Jonathan Taves, but he can be a really good two-way center. Like a lot of these high draft picks wind up being. Not everybody becomes an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid. Very few actually do. I think we've been spoiled by the amount of generational, quote-unquote, talent that have come through in the last few drafts. But most of these guys just become pretty good players. And Kirby Dockett already is a pretty good player. He's a good, solid defensive player. The problem with him is he can't win a faceoff. So I wonder if they start, you know, entertain the idea of moving him to wing, make him a Marion Hosa type, and then you can bring in Lucas Reichel to take over that number one or number two center spot in the future. It opens up everything if you do that. Because right now the center thing, as good as he is defensively, and he is good defensively, he's, he's never starting with the puck, and it's becoming problematic. How much of accelerating Kirby Doc's timeline is playing a role in what they're doing with Lucas Reichel and, and kind of taking their time but bringing him up? And do you think we'll see him well, once again in the coming weeks here uh, with the big club? I do think we'll see him again. I think it would be smart to keep him under the nine games so you don't lose a year of his entry-level contract because there's nothing more valuable in the NHL than really good players on entry-level deals. That's how you win. Um, I think he's a different situation now because with Doc, you know, they were still kind of in that, like, are we trying to win right now phase where they didn't really know. And I think we know exactly what the Blackhawks are now, right? We know that they made a mistake by uh, short-circuiting the, the rebuild last year, that this is not a contending team. So there's no reason to rush Reichel. The Blackhawks don't need Lucas Reichel right now. They need him in the future. So taking him, doing it slowly, unlike they did with Doc, makes all the sense in the world. So there's no reason to rush him in. After the deadline, they're going to move some veterans probably. There'll be a spot open for him. I'm sure they'll bring him up for a few more games, give him more exposure, let him get some development, uh, develop some chemistry with Kane. But I don't think you'll see him for the rest of the year up here because it doesn't make any sense. There's no value in doing that when the value is in him having three more years at $925,000 cap it. Derek King said Seth Jones has to be more of a leader and be more vocal. Is that in, in his personality? You know, he, I think he's, he's got a pretty big personality. I could see that. I mean, it, it's it's tough. When you're on a team with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, you're not going to take over that room, right? And I think what King was saying is, like, he's going to be here for eight more seasons after this. Kane and Taze are not going to be here for eight more seasons. At some point, this is going to become Seth Jones' team. He's going to outlive us all on this team. So I, I think I, I think he's talking about that in the middle is – you know, building toward that part of his career. Um, I mean, I, he, he seems like, you know, you see him on the ice in, in games and in practices. He's vocal. He's out there. He's not Jonathan Taze or Brent Seabrook yet, but I think he can develop into that on this team. Mark, keep up the great work with The Athletic and your uh, buddy Scotty Powers. You do a fantastic job. And uh, Get t- some toasted ravioli to warm up down there, will you? I need toasted anything right now. I can't even <laughs> feel my lips. All right. <laughs> That's Mark Lazarus joining us uh, live from St. Louis on the Hockey Show. Take care, Mark.
Good. We're back to wrap up the hockey show on ESPN 1000 after this. This hour is brought to you by Carmen DeFalco's favorite football team, Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Tickets for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland is on sale right now. Head to nusports.com for details. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. One-timer. One-timer by Albertson. He's On the Hockey Show. One-time shot. On ESPN 1000. It's one-timers on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian, uh, we're handing things off to Dion and Meller. Meller and Miller coming up at 11 o'clock. Getting you ready for Super Bowl 56 tomorrow in Los Angeles, California. What do you have for us on one-timers? Tuka Rask hangs it up after trying to come back from a hip injury and uh, Wednesday determined after four games it wasn't going to happen. A lot of impressive numbers here, Pat. The question is, Hall of Famer or not a Hall of Famer in your world? Mm, not in my world. Not I'm with in you. my and, world. And it's tough to say for a guy who's got the second best save percentage at 921 in NHL history. But he was a backup when they won the Cup in Boston. He got in there two other times, helped get in there two other times, didn't win it when he was a starter. He basically quit on his team uh, the beginning uh, last year, beginning of the pandemic. He just, you know, basically quit, said, I'm going home. So I, he, he's, you know, personality rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, including people within the, his own organization. But the numbers are, are compelling in a lot of regards, but it just doesn't. Just doesn't pass the test for me. That 17 seconds in uh, 2013 certainly put a wrench into that resume. Yep. Our, mm-hmm. our thanks to Mark Lazarus, our producer Tyler Aki, uh, our great sponsor, Bettenhausen CDJR in Tinley Park. Uh, Brian, you have a great week. Hawks back in action tonight, 6.30 pregame as they take on the St. Louis Blues. And we'll, uh, we'll reconvene next Saturday. And Xander and I will be here tomorrow, 10 a.m., part of the uh, pre-Super Bowl coverage right here on ESPN 1000. Fantastic. We'll be listening to that. Up next, it's Meller and Miller on ESPN 1000. That'll do it for the Hockey Show. See you next week.